Well, God bless you. I know we're we're running late, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go through this anyway. I feel like the we've been dealing with this pressure. We've gotten through Christmas. Hallelujah. Back to life, back to reality. Amen. Not that Jesus Christ and his coming isn't reality, but boy, it's a crazy place in our society at Christmas time, isn't it? We've been talking about living in a pressure cooker and about how to handle pressure. And do you remember what I said that 75 to 90 percent of all illnesses are due to pressure, are due to stress? And we, we've, um, as I finish, we've been talking about how Jesus handled pressure and the principles for handling pressure. Do you remember last time? It was two weeks ago. The point was turn everything over to God. First Peter chapter five, verse seven says, cast all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns once and for all onto him for he cares for you. All of them. What are you going through? You know, I, 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 I sit here and, and over this week, you know, I try to ponder what needs to change. And, you know, there are things in my life that I've realized I've not gotten breakthrough. And you know what I came to the realization of? And what's so funny is that I've been preaching on this. Is I've been trying to do it in my own power. And I felt the Lord say, just finally give it to me. Just give it to me. Doesn't mean it's going away. Doesn't mean you don't still have to walk through it. Just let me have it. Quit trying to do it yourself. Quit trying to read how to do better. Quit trying to do everything that the world says to do. Listen to me. Cast all your burdens. Cast your burdens on Jesus for he cares for you. Cast them. Give them to him. Number two. How do we handle pressure? Catch this. Understand your purpose. Understand your purpose. You need to realize that we have a purpose. Every effective ministry, people want to go into ministry, but the key is finding your purpose and hitting it. On Church on the Hill, our first two or three years, we spent most of our staff meetings trying to determine what's our target. What are we trying to achieve? Now let's hit the target. Let's not go out here and just start shooting a, 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 a shotgun and just spraying this big, putting this big spread on the target. No, what's our target? Our target is serving the Lord. Our target is serving our community. Pursue, love, reach. That's what that came out of. What's our target? Loving on each other. Pursuing after God. And reaching our community. What's your purpose? What's your purpose? The greater your purpose, the more stable and the more tenacity you'll have in handling problems. The less purpose in life, the more easy it is to give up and let go. It's the old David and Goliath story. Why did David charge the hill? It was the purpose that caused him to go out in the heat of the battle. He didn't see the battle. He saw the purpose. Does anybody else hear this giant talking like he's talking? Something's not right. I don't care how big he is. It goes against what I know. And what I know is my purpose in life is to fulfill God's calling in my life. So let's go kill that giant. Somebody stand up and go do it. Your purpose, your financial situation has control of you. That's not your purpose to be controlled by your bills. Those things you have dominion over. You have the power to be successful. Now, go hit the target. 2011, hit the target. 
I'm tired of being the foot and not the head. I'm tired of being the tail. 2011 is not the year of the tail, it's the year of the head. But you got to go do it. David, it's the purpose that will get let you hang on under tough pressure of life when they come close to you. You know, Harold Dodd said, said it this way. Catch this right here. He said, it's not the fast tempo of modern, modern life that kills, but the boredom with that life. It's the feeling that nothing is worthwhile that makes men ill, unhappy, and full of stress. They took a survey of people that were 100 years of age to find out what was keeping them going. And there was one common denominator. They all had a purpose and a reason to live. Often at a certain age, one spouse dies and within 18 months, the other spouse die. Why? Because they lose their purpose. When we lack purpose, when we lack meaning and motivation, it's hard to get through. Viktor Frankl, who was a Jewish psychiatrist, got caught up in, in Hitler's Holocaust and was placed in a prison camp. And did you know that 95% of the people that were held there died didn't make it out 95% but he did and he wrote as I look around me unquestionably the thing that caused those who did survive to survive was the fact that they had incredible purpose they had something they wanted to do when it was over and it was consuming so consuming that it kept them alive amongst the physical odds against them can you see how powerful purpose is For him, it was just writing a research paper that he had worked on all his life and he'd so desired to see that it get published. So, you got to know your purpose. Next, doesn't get any easier. Give up your rights. It's a good way to start the year. I realize this is contrary to the world, to the thinking of the world. But the fight to have our rights cause bitterness, cause anxiety, cause restlessness, anger, you name it. Most of the time, these deadly emotions stem from fighting to get your rights. You talk to any marriage counselor, what's the problem? Rights. It's always their rights. Interestingly enough, I've observed that strong people, have you ever noticed that strong people give up their rights quicker than weak people? Strong people understand that there's always another day. There'll be another fight. I'll get another chance. But the weak seem to get that turf mentality and put fences around it and say, that's mine. Nobody touches it. Anybody watch A Christmas Story a thousand times this last month? Randy, Randy, the youngest brother, comes downstairs. Ooh, look at that. That's mine. Ooh, look at that. That's mine. Mine. What's one of the first words a kid learns? Number one is no. Next close is mine, especially if they have a sibling. Mine. Me. What do they do? They put a roof over it. They put a mount around it with alligators. Mine. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul wrote a touching passage. Catch this right here. About Jesus where he said, have this attitude in yourself, which is also in Christ Jesus. I think that we all understand that Christ gave everything. He gave all his rights. He was the, He is the son of God. He has the rights. Right? Yet he gave up his rights. He gave up his rights, his own will to live. 
And in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, Paul talks about the fact that he humbled and emptied himself. And then after Paul talked about our part, he talks about God's part. Chapter, verse, seven, verse 9, God lifted him up and exalted him above all other names. You see, when we give up our rights and consecrate ourselves, then God can do a work in your life that would have never happened. It's like our finances. Had we never changed our way of living, nothing would have changed. I, I say this so much. Insanity is doing the same things over and over, but expect a different result. That's crazy thinking. Did you ever hear about the... Oh, I'm not going to do it. That, let me stop. It was a joke, and it's a funny joke, but it's, I don't need to go down that road. Somebody say amen. Amen. Thank you. We got to give up and do it. You got to give up our rights. The moment you have to survive is the moment that someone can buy you, that someone can put limits on you. You know, Paul wasn't afraid of, of dying. Paul was effective because he understood. He understood what it was like to die to himself. In fact, he said, I want you to know I do it daily. I die to myself daily. Every day I say, Paul, you don't have any rights. You're under the kingdom of God. You're under the leadership of God. Every day I lay those rights down and I go about my ministry. In fact, some of the most uptight people are those who constantly demand what is right for them. Now you can go and you can carry your picket signs and you can form a union. You can demand your rights. But while you're doing all that, making sure that everything that belongs to you and that nothing passes that, that is rightfully yours, you know what's happening? You die on the inside. You sit there and you dry up. And the sooner than you need to, you give up all those things to somebody else because you can't take them with you. When Abraham Lincoln was a real, real young attorney in Springfield, a rich man, a rich man came to him who was a rich man who was literally after his rights. He had loaned a man $2.50 and he, he called on Abraham Lincoln and said, I want you to represent me for $2.50 in a lawsuit. Lincoln didn't want to, but he got this great idea. He said, okay, I'll do it for $10. I'll represent you. The rich guy immediately gave him 10 bucks. Lincoln went to the poor guy that owed the 250 and he gave him $5. He said, look, go pay off your guy, the 250 and keep 250 and I'll keep the $5. It cost the man that was owed 250 $10 to be happy. Do you see do you see what I'm saying? He's fighting for his rights and he'd rather have his rights than have the blessing. That's what you look like when you get beside yourself demanding something for yourself. You know, when you get so demanding your rights, somebody needs to take out one of these new uh, digital cameras and take a picture of you when your veins popping out and your face is getting all angry. People see what you look like. That goes for me, too. I make those faces. But finally, finally, being a generous, be a generous person. Great way to start 2011. And you're going to find, I don't care what financial seminar you go to, they will all say, give. You go and you listen to Dave Ramsey, what's he going to tell you? Give. Joe McGee, that's what he's going to tell you. You look at, you look at worldly 
rich, filthy, rich people, they give. They give. There is blessing in giving. Look at the picture that Jesus did. Mark 10, 45. It says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life for ransom of many. You know, this word serve and give really go together. You give up your rights, you become a giver because you're not demanding anymore. You're wanting to give. Why don't you look at this from the worldly standpoint? I'm going to close right here. Socrates, what did he say? He said, know thyself. Cicero said, control thyself. Jesus said, give thyself. And then finally, glorify God through obedience and excellence. John chapter 17, verse 4 said, I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. What's Jesus saying? Hey, look, Dad, I did good. I did good. I've done what you've told me to do. There's nothing like it when a child comes and they've been asked to do something maybe they didn't want to do, and they want you to say, hey, look at what I did, and I did it with a good attitude. You want to handle pressure in life? Quit taking shortcuts. Go for uh, Go for excellence. Do you remember me talking a few months ago about the Rebecca principle? Don't just give them water. Water their camels too. Go the extra mile in your job, in your marriage, with your children, with your relationships, with your church. Give a little more. Give more than you can. Do you realize that pretty much everything we learned in kindergarten applies to today? You know, most of the things that we learned in kindergarten would help us, listen to this, share everything, play fair, don't hit people, put things where you found them, clean up your own mess, don't take things that aren't yours, say you're sorry when you hurt somebody, and when you go into the, out into the world, watch for traffic, hold hands, and stick together. We don't have to be so complicated. We don't have to be so complicated. In a world filled with doctors and psychiatrists and psychologists and counselors and attorneys and clergymen who want to give stressed out people medicine, tests, advice, prayers, most of what they need is a model of Jesus. You need to receive Jesus and walk this thing out with him. Turn everything over to him. Find a purpose in life. Give up your rights. Become a giver and do your best. Is that a good first step for 2011? Let's get it right. We all stand up with me. I'm just going to pray over you. If you need prayer, I'm going to dismiss you. And I'm kids, I'm not going to hand out gum. Uh, Pastor Stephen, I'm going to stand here. You go hand out gum. And um, Brian, do you care to grab my gum on the other door? Do you mind to do that for me? And I'm going to stay down here to pray with you if you want to pray. But I'm going to dismiss you. I'd say my Sunday school teachers aren't happy with me right now. Father, we just thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you for the presence of God. I thank you for the power of God. I thank you for Heart of the Cumberland, and I thank you for the provision that you've made for our community, for those that hurt. Lord, I thank you that that's what the church is. Lord, let this city, let this nation find the church and find the place that you are working in, Lord. And we pray for our city right now, for the hurting to come in. 
And Lord, for them to find you. For the hurting to find heart of the Cumberland. For the hurting to find you, Lord. Now, Lord, we just bless you. And I just ask you for the greatest year that we have ever seen. Individually, Lord, as a group, as a family, and Lord, as a church. Lord, as a city, as a county, as a state, as a nation. Let us turn to you, Lord, and heal our land. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer, you step right on out, and I'd be glad to pray with you.